Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Town Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Don Baker, and we have got an awesome episode in store for you today. Today, we talked to Hunter Newsom of Oklahoma, who went on a once-in-a-lifetime bull elk hunt in the Wichita Mountains National Wildlife Refuge. Hunter gets it done on an unbelievable bull, and he tells us all about it, the tips, the tactics, and the things that you need to know if you draw a bull tag in the state of Oklahoma. Here we go. Hunter Newsom. What's up, my dude? What's going on, man? I'll just hanging out. Just got done enjoying some horse training. Right on. Well, uh, Hunter, thanks for coming on the podcast. I am super excited about this episode. And for those of you who don't know, we are going to discuss one of the, the the most coveted Oklahoma draw hunts out there, and that's the Wichita Mountains Bull Elk Tag, once in a lifetime, and you drew it. Yes, sir. Actually, the first time I ever entered for it. Well, I want to get into all that, but but I I like whenever I have the new person on the show. I like ask, asking some ice-breaking type questions. Oh, Lord. And I was thinking, yeah. So I like to throw people off the game. I've done what's your favorite movie. I've done all of that. But what I want to know from you is, does pineapple belong on pizza? No. Not at all. That is probably the number one debated thing that I have seen on the internet. Does pineapple belong on pizza pizza is like probably one of the most american things there is getting pizza watching football why would you throw so you're a negative on the who wants to eat healthy if you're eating pizza okay all right got it oh that's a big negative <laughs> well uh to to back up a little bit and kind of tell people how you and i met um i met you at the doxa extreme rodeo a few years ago and i had a, a booth set up at the the trade show for for doxa with the small town hunter swag t-shirt stickers stuff like that and you and one of your buddies come up and uh you know we got to talking about hunting and you know obviously you guys were way into it and you know we're into the filming aspect of things and and you guys have started your own deal and are putting out some awesome awesome stuff too yes sir that is a high definition shoot back then I was just kind of getting into it and we were just trying to video stuff with our phones and do the best we could. And now we're videoing with some. Well, that's good, man. I've been following what you guys have been putting out and y'all are laying down some deer, shooting all kinds of pigs and, and putting a, a a neat production aspect to it. And I really enjoyed watching you grow as you guys went from cell phones to, to other cameras and stuff like that, man. It's, it's been a pleasure to watch you grow. Yes, sir. And my favorite thing is to been, in which y'all are kind of, I kind of base myself off of watching <laughs> y'all. Y'all are kind of like my idols in this deal. I mean, I've always watched y'all and kind of based, because the moment I met you up there at Docs, I was like, dude, this guy's well, got it going I on. Appreciate That's how that. I appreciate that. And I mean, We're look trying, at you now, man. you're um, rocking you know, and rolling. We, we filmed a lot, getting, you know, getting started with, you know, basic cameras and we've upgraded through over the, over the last few years and, you know, we tried to market our stuff with, 
you know, T-shirts and decals and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, now I'm diving off into some podcast stuff. I don't record as many podcasts as I'd like to. I have a ton of guests lined up that I want to get a hold of. It's just, man, life has been so crazy with everything going on. And right now we're having to do this over the phone because of this stinking coronavirus stuff. And, you know, it makes it difficult to sit down across the table from each other and, and record a, you know, a fun eye-to-eye contact deal. But we're going to do the best we can. Yes, sir. I mean, even even with this coronavirus deal, I think it's creating a better opportunity for people to get out in the indo- outdoors and enjoy it and really – really get into the aspect of being outside well there's several really states right now that like have to be out there now. issued you know uh people can go fishing without a license because they don't want them going in and buying you know licenses or i don't mm-hmm. know about the hunting side of things as far as buying tags i'm sure you still can and a lot of that you can do online but some states have lifted you know some some states are taking it you know one way and go hey there's no recreational fishing some other states are going hey please go out and go fishing so it's kind of neat, you know, seeing people get, you know, back to their roots, so to speak, and, you know, really get out there and enjoy the time. If you're bored at home, you know, if you're if you're under quarantine, man, get outside. Go turkey hunting. Go look for some mushrooms. Go fishing. Go shed hunting. Something. Without a doubt. And even, even with it being turkey season, I mean, I'd encourage everybody that isn't really that into turkey hunting, give it a shot. You never know. You might love it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, and that's a great hunt to take new people on because exactly. it's, you're, you're not freezing cold. Although we did have a freaking dumped some snow on us last week during turkey season. Generally, it's warm. Yeah, you know, no joke. Most up. time, you're usually sweating. Yeah. You got to watch out for ticks more than anything, but this time you got to pack an extra jacket. But Without a doubt. But I but think, it's fun. That, I think that there, you, it's really easy to get kids into turkey hunting because you can set up a blind. You can, let them yes they can be behind that blind and get away with so much more than when you're they sitting can move around 15 degrees and freezing and as long as the birds aren't right there you can talk a little bit you know what i mean and it's a great way to get new people involved oh without sure. a doubt without tags a doubt. are fairly cheap you know mm-hmm. most everybody's got a shotgun laying around that you can throw some turkey loads in and it's definitely a good way to get outdoors definitely but also being april means tag season especially here you know a lot of states have already come and gone some states haven't had theirs yet i know texas they run theirs all the way into october Um, but oklahoma opened theirs up and we're right in the middle of it so Mm -hmm. let's dive into i know that i've covered some of the oklahoma draw hunt stuff in the past and i've put in for this elk hunt and the antelope and deer hunts every year for like the last 15 or 16 years and i've been fortunate enough to draw a few uh, deer hunts here and there and had some success you know met another great friend of mine on a draw hunt at McAllister never knew him till we got you know met up down there and now we're you know really good friends and you know we have a great time hunting together he and I are a lot alike and, and that worked out real well and, and you can no, nobody says you can't do the same thing you know going on some of these other hunts so I mm-hmm. encourage everybody to put in it costs five dollars to enter in the elk the antelope and five mule deer or five uh whitetail hunts across the state so yes, sir it's a pretty awesome opportunity and that's uh kind of was giving my dad some heck about he's going on an elk hunt in new mexico i believe later this year and they were kind of talking discussing how much it costs and stuff like that i said huh mine only cost me five bucks yeah and they all just kind of gave me a little stink eye 
which he's all he's been putting in for it for at least 25 years. Wow. And everybody else that I've known has been putting in for it for so long. And then actually, I didn't know hardly anything about the draw hunts until last year. Um, a good friend of mine named Glenn Nutson, he put me in and he said, hey, I'm putting you in for the elk rifle bull tag only you're not putting you in for a cow you're young and i was like okay you know didn't think much about it you know i'll never draw it and he calls me in like july you know after they had had the big uh debate on how long it took them to actually do the draw and stuff like that last year well he called yeah, they me. had some trouble with the website last year releasing their results didn't they yeah it took like two weeks longer than it should have or something which oklahoma takes forever to do their release on their results anyway Oh, yeah, they like for you to anticipate it. The anticipation I don't know is great. <laughs> if they have so many applicants or I have no idea why it takes as long as it does. But, like, when I put in for Montana the, last year, the deadline was March 15th. I knew that I was going by mid-April. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it was a month later. You mm-hmm. know, they had results out and ready to go. So, I don't know why. But, but Oklahoma typically releases around 4th of July. It's mm-hmm. usually the first Monday in July. First or yeah. second Monday in July is usually when they do it. But it ended up being later on. But anyway. Yeah, so when he called hunt, me, that was is insane. I mean, he called me and said, hey, listen, are you sitting down? I was like, yeah, what's up? He said, well, you draw you draw the bull tag. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I don't know how, what way and shape or form, but you draw this bull tag. As your a, first year incredible. putting in. It's just I've never heard of mind. anybody drawing their first year. And that's what blew my mind. So what we ought to let a lot of people know that if you haven't put in for the Oklahoma draw, what you need to know is, is how the point system works. And I'm going to explain it to the best of my understanding. So it's not a true preference point state, which means the guy who has the most points draws the tag like a lot of states do. Mm-hmm. What it means is, like, say I have 15 or 16 points this year. All that means is I have 15 names in the hat. You had one name in the hat. Now, they can still draw you. I just have a better opportunity or better chance to draw. So it's still kind of fair as far as everybody has a chance, but the guys that have been putting in for a long time have have a better chance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Say my dad's been putting in for 25 years. This will be his 26th year, I believe, and he'll have 26 names in the hat. I mean. Wow. And, and I talk to people and I try to say, you know, what's, you know, I can't get a straight answer from anybody with the wildlife department of like, how many points does it take on average to draw? And I'm not saying, oh, you have 22, you'll draw. I'm just saying, hey, what is the general average? You know what I mean? Just to kind of see where I'm at and nobody well, give me an I answer. I don't know if they Whenever know. I was there, I noticed 90% of your hunters were between that 65 to 70 age, you know, 65 to 70 years old and there was only a handful of us there's maybe out of the 80 hunters that were there there's maybe 10 of us that were under 30 now some of those were cow tags right yes a lot of them were cow tags now they do a couple hunts a year at the wichita mountains national wildlife refuge and they use hunting to manage those elk populations Mm mm-hmm so they issue about double the cow to bull tags, correct? Yes. I believe they issued 80-something cow tags and maybe 35 bull tags, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. That's about right. Just to try to keep that ratio the best they can. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we do whitetail. I mean, 
Sure. It's all a management program. Right. So let's start from the top. Since I've never been there and you have, I want to pick your brain on everything. So, okay, July comes around, Hunter draws a tag. What's the next step? Like, is there any additional cost to buy that elk tag, or does your lifetime hunting and fishing license cover that? Your lifetime hunting and fishing license covers it. Only thing you okay. got to do is show up. You, which okay, you, so you, you have to make if, sure the requirements are, you know, 270 or larger. Um, you need to have a first aid kit, a whistle, flashlight, fire starter, and you have to be in shape. I would well, because a lot of people don't know that's, that's rough country down there. Yes, they say um, Colorado is not near as rough country, but it's just way steeper. This is some rough, nasty stuff. The the rocks. Oh, it was the... horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Hmm. Like, yeah, you okay, had your so... pretty wide open meadows and bottoms, but yeah, it was rocky. Real rocky where hmm. I was at, especially in zone H. If, okay, well, we're going to get to your zones here in a minute. I got questions about all that stuff, too. Sweet. So, uh, if you didn't have a lifetime, what would it have cost? Whatever. I, I mean, just your general hunting license, maybe $25. Do you have to buy an elk tag? No, I did not have to pay for any tag at all, I believe. I don't okay. know if you'll have to, I don't believe you have to pay for an elk tag if you draw it. Just like only um, if you like hunt the elk on the private land, that's when you gotta have the yes. tag. When you hunt elk okay. on private land, that's I believe that's when you have to buy your tag. Okay. So you get down there, or let's back up. So let did you do any preparation from the time you drew to the time you went? Okay, so what kind of I didn't really get in near as good a shape as I thought I was in. You know, I did quite a bit of running and stuff like that, but you have it. You have to be in just great shape to not get winded up there. But what I did was I kind of had a small exercise routine. I'd get up every day, do some push-ups, do some sit-ups. I'd jog in the evenings when I got home. And that was just kind of what I did to prepare. But what you really need to do is you need to get you a backpack and fill that sucker full of rocks. And you need to find the nastiest terrain you can find. And you need to go through there and pretend you live in it for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I did that, uh, let's see, a few years ago, I, I went elk hunting in Colorado, and I started in about June, I started running a routine of two or three miles an evening with firewood in my backpack, mm-hmm. and then I got a chance to go up to New Mexico uh, around the 4th of July to Rio Dosa, which is not the elevation that we hunted in, but it's higher elevation than here at home, Yeah. so I got to go run with my backpack up in higher elevation, and, you know, kept that routine up and it definitely definitely helped me when i got to colorado because we were hunting we were camped at ten thousand and hunting up around between anywhere between 10 and thirteen thousand feet yeah so the the oxygen is way limited which down here the elevation is not really what gets you it's how steep it is yeah how rough and rocky it is no good footing things like that right yes it, i mean up there where i shot my elk it was just solid boulders everywhere i'm talking there wasn't a flat spot on the side of that mountain Okay. So did you do any other preparation between besides, you know, exercise and stuff like that? I did a lot of shooting. A friend of mine, a really, I'm talking a lights out gunsmith out of Duncan, Oklahoma, had a 300 Remington Ultramag that he loaned me. It had a, uh, I believe a five by 25 Schmidbender scope on it. And uh, I just, you know, 
really get comfortable shooting your rifle. That's something that really, really could depend on whether you kill a bull or not. Because mm-hmm. I thought, you know, from what I had been told talking to the park rangers, and I see I called every person I could possibly call to find out any little bit of information I could out there. And they Did they said, give you any info? Oh, no, they don't say much. <laughs> they On purpose or they just don't know? They just don't know. They don't go back in this area unless they just absolutely have to. Hmm. Like nobody goes back there ever just to hang out. Like just to go so, back there and study. You have to – now from what I believe, there, you can apply for a permit and go back there and take pictures of elk and stuff like that. But it has to be, you know, 100% foolproof the deal legit deal yeah Yeah. so i have been to the refuge down there several times and i and what a lot of people may not understand is this i don't remember how big it is 60 70 i believe it's seventy four thousand acres and and about 10 or fifteen thousand of that is only open to the public right yes sir and then the rest of the 50 60 thousand is special use only and that's where they leave the elk and the buffalo and the longhorn mm-hmm. and all that stuff alone. And that's where they do the majority of their, or all of their hunts, correct? And the special use? Um, no, they actually shut down the entire refuge. Um, there's maybe one or two areas open, but they hunt. There's actually a lot of elk in the public use area, believe it okay. or not. Um, actually, before we went on this hunt, or before I went on this hunt, me and the two buddies that i had that had experience hunting elk and they took me out and we hiked all the way to top of, i believe it's eagle mountain uh i can't re- really remember the name of it but it's kind of towards the south it's on the south side of the refuge okay and uh we hiked all the way to the top of the mount that big mountain and uh we glassed we seen quite a few elk believe it or not there's a lot of elk in that public use area I've seen several, and I've seen some really nice bulls in there too. Yes, we've seen some some really good five by fives and six by sixes. That you know, some really awesome bulls in the public use area. Just to get my eye acquainted to the elk, because I had never ever even dreamed about hunting an elk in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, it's a special deal for sure. Oh, without a doubt. And there was. You know, and what surprised me is there, the quality of the bulls that I had seen in the public use area. We'd glassed pretty well half a day. I mean, we went around and hiked up several different spots and looked and glassed and spotted some bulls and just looked and kind of see what they were. That way I kind of knew now, what I was clo- looking for. How close to your hunt did you do this hiking up and scouting? About a week. Okay, a week prior? A week prior. To try to give you some most recent information that you could? Yes, to kind of figure out, hey, what are they eating right now? What, what, you know, kind of what are they doing? Right. And I was blessed with some absolutely beautiful weather for my, for, for the day of my hunt. I'm talking, it was just bird blue skies and about 35 degrees. It was amazing. Sunny. Your hunt was in December, correct? Yes, sir. December 16th, 17th, and 18th. And that is, that was the first elk hunt of the year down there? Yes, sir. The very first, I believe. Because I know that they, they don't let you go in there and hunt during the rut. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? I'm telling you right now, if we go back in there in the rut, I probably wouldn't have shot my bull on the first day. I probably would have just... Really? Yeah, I, I guarantee you that. Um, from what I had been told, if you're given an opportunity, take it. Because hmm. there was two guys that didn't kill because they were being picky. Hmm. 
Now, yes, I was one to be picky. I mean, I wasn't going to shoot anything under a six by six. That was just that, unless it was just an absolute monster five by five. Right. But. And do the the bulls that you're allowed to take are that still the same legal means as far as uh, Oklahoma goes, where they have to have at least four points on at least one side, or is the refuge different? From what I was told on the refuge, you could shoot anything that had horns on its head. Really? Yes. So spikes, yes. all that was, was fair game. It's fair game. Okay. So they're trying to just manage their, mm-hmm. you know, the overall bull numbers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there you can – I mean, it kind of – I wish it was a little bit more strict like that because you can tell that – I mean, which, you know, people don't get the opportunity to kill an elk in Oklahoma. I would see why they wouldn't want as strict of, of uh, policy sure. on it. But I've seen several, several younger bulls that were – five by fives and six by sixes that had some awesome opportunity to be giant and don't get me wrong whenever i was walking up there uh stalking up on my elk i seen some of some monster sheds like some huge six by you know six point sides and seven points but you can't pick them up no no you can't i mean you can pick them up and take a picture with them but you can't take them home with you uh now, that would be something I would like to question them about. wonder if we could get a permit to go in there and collect elk sheds to do maybe a survey on them. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's something that's we need to idea. look into. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I know for a lot of people that don't know, the elk hunt, all, all the hunts are different in Oklahoma. You got the antelope, the elk, and the deer. Now, the deer you can put in as a group or a party. Mm-hmm. The elk and the antelope are a one-man band. Yep. So, you are allowed to take somebody with you, but they got to stay at camp until you kill, and then they can help you pack out, correct? Uh, you are allowed to take four or five guys to pack out with you if you want. Um, oh, yes, really? you are allowed as many people to pack out as you want. Because I brought hmm. uh, my dad and uh, the two guys that helped me scout and kind of look, kind of see what I was want, needing to look for, and another fella. And I had four guys that helped me pack out. And we got him in one trip. But the going out and finding and scouting and hunting and shooting you and all by that yourself. is up to you. You are by yourself 100%. That's a pretty cool feeling, huh? It was. It's a scary feeling if you've never done it before. Really? I was absolutely terrified. Why? I had confidence in myself, but I don't have the experience of, you know, stalking up on elk and what to look for and where to look. I mean, I knew where to look. Were you worried about boogering them or what? I, yes, I was worried because there's not a lot of cover at all. There's none up there. Like, you almost have to get a good vantage point and be able to shoot from that vantage point. Because they're, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're not real, real skittish of people because I walked up on five or six cows and three bulls bedded down on my way to to kill my bull hmm. and after daylight all oh that. yes it was oh it was probably eight o'clock hmm. okay so once you get there don't you have you have a briefing or some kind of a deal like okay, that? okay right? yeah so once you get there uh the day before the hunt you meet at the visitor center at about 9 a.m and in about noon you eat your lunch and they take you and the other guys that drew the zone that you weren't in, and mind you, it was about 26 degrees, wind blowing, 
miserable cold. They pile all you up, all you hunters that draw in that unit in the back of an army style vehicle, no top, no nothing. You drive five miles over here to wherever you're going all the way up in the mountains in the back of this pickup. And then you just kind of, you drive the road one way in, one way out. And you get to drop a flag right there at the road of where you want out. Mm-hmm. I found, I found out that, uh, the zone I drew some friends of the guys that helped me have drawn the tag before and they've killed bulls and they knew right where they killed their bulls. And they went on onyx hunts and dropped a pin where they killed my, their bulls. And he said, right here's a good glassing spot. You need to be looking here, here, and here. So I was really, they really helped me out, but I was on top of that. I was terrified. So this unit that you drew, do you draw that at your briefing? Yes, you draw that you, at the briefing. You draw that? Okay, so it's not like predetermined. Whenever you pull your tag, you get your zone then, you get it later no, on, I right? think they do that to prevent people from trying to slip in somewhere and get jump start on people they tell you what zone you're hunting 30 minutes okay. before you go okay. look how big is the zone that you about drew? six thousand acres and how many guys were in there four i believe okay did you ever bump into any of the um, guys no well okay so there was one guy that was really insistent on hunting with me and i was kind of like you know sketched out on this part and i was like you know what? yes he was wanting to hunt with me he knew I knew where I was going. He was like, so where are you hunting? I was like, oh, I, I got somewhere I kind of got in mind. He was like, oh, okay. So I dropped my flag, and then about on the way up there, I dropped my flag where I wanted out, and we drove past it and went up and looked at some other spots. And on the way back by, I seen him lean up and talk to the old boy up front, and they stopped. He dropped his flag right next to mine. What? Yes. I was kind of like, whoa, hey, that, that ain't going to work, man. I mean, I know it's public, public land, but. I mean, that's just not really kind of what I'm wanting to do. And he's like, well, I seen a really good spot to hunt right here on my on my, on my my app. I knew he was kind of feeling me full of it as soon as he started talking. But he, uh, anyways, I was like, well, if you're going to hunt there, I'll just, it kind of scatterbrained me for a minute. And I was like, well, I'll just go somewhere else. And he was like, no, no, no. I was like, okay, well, he picks up his flag and we go on. Well, uh, that morning I get at. I get out of the truck the next morning, so I don't know where he's going. I get up on my knob, and I'm sitting there, and I see a stud six-by-six, big old dark chocolate horns about a mile from me off in the saddle in this little valley. And uh, here in about five minutes later, I see an orange vest and orange hat pop up over the ridge and start walking down the saddle. I was like, well, darn. And he, he huh. smokes him. Like, I'm talking – seven mag behind the shoulder i heard the shot i watched the whole thing go down i'm sitting there like almost in tears pretty good bull he, he was a 350 probably 325 he was and that was the guy that was kind of wanting your yes. spot and i was kind of kind of a burning burnt me pretty good right there i was like well crud you know kind of what am i going to do now well and i just kept yeah. glassing and then about a mile and a half straight north kind of north west of me up in this little saddle on the side of the mountain i seen a bunch of elk sitting there through my binos and i pulled my spot and scope out and i I looked up the mountain and i seen him sitting up there and i just seen his, his rack glowing at the base of this big hill and uh 
I was like, that's him. I'm going to him right now. I packed up all my stuff, throw my pack on, grab my gun. And I'm, when I say I'm cutting the trail, I'm like halfway trotting, getting down this mountain. Cause it's a good mile and a half over there. Wow. wow. And I get, I get down the, and it's, it's pretty, pretty steep. I mean, it's, I'm sitting on the edge of about a 300 foot cliff over here, but it was, I'm talking one of those spots. You just know it's a jam up glass and spot. I can see four or five different sides of, of mountains, you know, and I can see yeah. all the way across, you know, that's another kind of a crazy story. I was sitting there first thing that morning glassing and there's a young kid, same age as me, drew first time, drew huh. a bull tag. And he went up to Baker's Peak. That's where he wanted to go. He goes up there, which I didn't know this till after the land that him and his father own borders that zone. Really? 300 yards from where he turned out. Really? And he's sitting there, and I'm watching him kind of through my spotting scope, kind of sit, making sure he's. I don't go after anything he's going after. You know, I don't want to bump into somebody while I'm out there. Sure. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching him and he looks like he's almost asleep, which I had a pretty high powered spotting scope. Like it was like a 60 power. And I'm sitting there just kind of glassing. And then I look up at him again and I look up and there's a Buffalo. I kid you not, not a hundred feet behind him. And that's a true story. I texted our group chat. I said, Hey dude on uh so-and-so on Baker's peak, there's Buffalo. Like, not very far behind you and not 10 minutes after that text message went to the group all you see is this little orange dot beeline across across this mountain oh wow i'm I'm pretty sure he'd he'd probably have a pretty exciting story to tell was it buffalo no but i think he was he got nervous and was wanting to get out of there but i don't think the buffalo knew he's there either because he was kind of up in some rocks but Anyways, I was, I seen my elk and I, I cut a trail across this big valley and, uh, I came up over a hill and there's probably a herd of about 70 or 80, uh, buffalo. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I just stopped and watched them. They were, they just kind of, kind of made their way by me. And then I, I got down to the base of this mountain and this elk's not there. I'm sitting there like, oh no, where'd he go? So, I knew he couldn't have gone far because it's wide open to my left and my right. And I set up on this rock pile at the kind of not right at the base of the right at the base of the mountain, but just probably 200 yards from the base. And uh, I start glassing. I sit down. I'm just looking at my binoculars, scanning this whole thing. And uh, whenever I get, I finally found the elk and I ranged him. He was at 673 yards sitting on the side of this mountain huge rock was he standing or he was standing eating and they because they were all kind of eating and making their way up they were going to the top and whenever i was sitting there you know i was kind of wondering you know well how ethical of a shot is this and i just kind of remembered back to all the all the shooting training that those guys have instilled in me i'm talking when i say those two guys that kind of showed me what to look for and what to do and took me out and showed me they are they're shooters. They're just straight up. They can shoot lights out. They've got guns that shoot a thousand, thirteen hundred yards. And right. that goes back to the training. I mean, I set up targets at five, six, seven, eight hundred yards, you know, just a twelve inch pie plate. 
shooting target, and I I shot probably five boxes of shells out of this three hundred ultra mag. My shoulder was beat to pieces, and <laughs> I just practiced them long shots and getting comfortable shooting that far. If you're gonna hunt elk mm-hmm. in the Wichita Mountains and you draw, get comfortable with the rifle you're taking. That is a huge deal. Your shot could be fifty yards; it could be eight hundred yards. Just depends right. on your situation and where you're at. And since this is a once in a lifetime deal, don't take the shot no. if you're not comfortable. And that is with, a big thing. Know? Don't take a six hundred yard shot if you're not comfortable with it. I definitely wasn't going to take it unless I had everything working in my favor. The wind was not blowing. He had a big rock outcropping behind him. He was sitting there eating. I got prone, was laying on some rocks, had my bipod out, 100% solid. Comfortable. Like I could have took a nap there. I got solid 100%. And I ranged him at 673, and he took a couple more steps, and I dialed him in on my target turrets. And whenever I got dialed in, I just – I sat there for probably five minutes breathing and getting my breathing under control because you, I mean, you can't imagine how fast my heart was racing at the time. Like, I thought <laughs> it was going to beat out of my chest. I bet. But I just got comfortable and I got settled in. I said, okay, here we go. And I zoomed it all the way in, dialed it in, and took a deep breath. And as soon as I let my breath out, I squeezed the trigger. I heard the meat pop and he just stood there. I'm oh, thinking, no. what did I do? Oh, no, I missed. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, my gosh. And I, I rack another one in it, and he's just sitting there, and all the other elk are trotting away, and he's just standing there. I'm like, well, I'll obviously hit him then. I heard the meat pop. He's standing there, mm-hmm. and I put it on him, and I squeezed again after I settled my breathing and everything. And I heard the meat pop again, and he just wadded up and fell. And, man, oh, man, I bet that was oh, a good you feeling. have no idea. And this isn't even the wild part. <laughs> I dropped this elk, right? I'm thinking, booyah, I just dropped him. Without even marking anything, I grab my crap. I sprint up this <laughs> hill. I'm talking, I'm running, bouncing rock to rock like a dang mountain goat. Kid in candy store, excited. I get up there, and I can't find him. I'm like, oh, no. He got up and ran away. I'm sitting there, like, having a mild panic attack, not knowing what to do freaking out and i run back down the mountain (laughs) this sounds so stupid but it happened and i'm gonna eat crow over it but i mean it's part of the story it's got to be told i ran back down the mountain got to where i shot him from and i set up and i'm glassing i'm glassing i can't find him i'm like what the heck and then i see his horn sticking up okay i marked that spot i look kind of look at my landmarks and stuff so this is another good idea of to pack extra. I packed an extra orange vest with me. I stuck that thing on that rock pile I was sitting on and stuck a rock on top of it. So I knew where I shot from. And I mm-hmm. hiked back up that mountain and I got all the way up there. And that dang thing blew off and I didn't know where he was at. So I had to hike back down it. And by the time I was, by the time I found him, it had been like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Wow. I was big time stressing thinking I just lost the once-in-a-lifetime shot at elk, you know. But I uh, – yeah. Well, this was the first yes, day, this was right? at two hours and three hours into the hunt. And I've gone yeah. through a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, but I finally get up there. I found where I shot him from. And I'm walking. I'm like, well, I know he's this way. And I'm just kind of walking along the top of this edge, 
bouncing between rocks. And I look down and he's a hundred feet below me sitting there shining like a diamond. I'm like, Oh my God. I instantly dropped to my knees and started thanking God. I mean, it was just a <laughs> once in a lifetime feeling for sure. Oh man, that's cool. But I got down there and it was just, it, it doesn't, it didn't sink in until I got my hands on him. Like it just hit me like a brick wall. It was crazy. But if it, yeah, pretty surreal for anybody that goes up there, I just encourage them to really get comfortable shooting a gun and get really comfortable sh- getting shooting long distances. If you have to shoot that, if you're not comfortable shooting long distances, you better get practice up on sneaking up on stuff. Right. Cause I'm not saying they're, they're uh, as hard to hunt spot and stalk as a whitetail, but it's still a hard hunt. And looking back, so, you know, people say, oh, he's not a, he's not a huge elk. You know what? I killed elk in Oklahoma. You didn't. So. <laughs> well, that's just. Oh, yeah. Anyway, no doubt. Huh? No doubt. Oh, I've I've definitely caught plenty of heck over being a first time drawer and drawing a bull tag. And, oh, well. it, it's definitely something that if you ever get drawn for it, make the most of it. Awesome. So what was going through your head once you. Okay, I got to him. I got my hands on him. What what's going Call through your mind? Call my dad. <laughs> I called my dad. And as soon as as soon as I, I mean, as soon as I shot him, I called him. I said I just shot a bull. I just watched him fall. And him and all the guys got their packs and got everything together. And after I got him found, and that I kid you not, when I say it took them forty five minutes to gather their crap and drive fifty miles to Lawton didn't take them hardly no time they were there and they uh what we did was is whenever i found him i called him and i'm at this time i'm two miles from the closest road like it is Hmm. a long ways from the closest road and whenever i don't know just whenever i shot him I, i called my dad after i found him and i just told him i was like dude i got it done he didn't believe me at first he was like, no way. I mean, it's the first day, dude. You, there's no way you could have found out. And it was just, you know, it's insane. It's hard to explain how cool it was. I bet. So how did you get them into where well, you Well, luckily, were? I'm up on the almost second to highest peak in that area. And they got binoculars and stuff. And I had all my orange on and they got to, a, they found a cow trail or a four wheeler trail and they drove pretty, you know, about a mile and a half, maybe almost a mile and a quarter to, from the road to where I was at. And they could look up the mountain, they could see me. And they walked, mm-hmm. uh, I dropped a map on my Onyx or dropped a map pin on Onyx hunts and sent it to one of the guys that was with my dad and them. And they knew kind of where I was at and they hiked up there and I met them at the bottom of the mountain and we hiked up and found and skinned him out and everything like that. And I'm going to tell you right now, gutting an elk is a chore when you're by yourself. <laughs> oh yeah. You gutted it. Yeah. I mean, there. it was, it was warming up. It was going to be like 55, 60 degrees. And they say, you know, an elk will sour pretty quick if you don't, if it's hot. Yeah. And they, well, that's a lot of meat, I'm, man. A lot of body. Yes. Meat. Without yeah. a doubt. And what you got like an inch of fur on the outside of it, acting like an oven. Mm-hmm. but it was whenever i'm gonna tell you right now you dang sure don't want to go unprepared i thought i was plenty prepared and i promise you i wasn't as prepared as i thought i was 
I mean, you need to right. take paracord and so how, everything, gloves, knives, water, Band-Aids. Because whenever I was coming off the mountain to go look, you know, to stock up on that elk, and I was trying to get there, I mean, you, you'll trip and fall so many times. I've got scars and all kinds of crap on my shins, and my I got a big gash on my left foot, and, heck, I had blood running down my leg by the time I got down the mountain. Hmm. So they they got there, found you. Y'all got it all cut up and packed out of there, and walked out to the truck. And that's all she wrote. Well, huh? that's we uh. Well, when we got there, I kid you not, I shot him. We didn't get off the mountain till six o'clock that night. When I say wow. it was a long hike down to the road, it was. And on top of that, they don't just come and pick you up. It's not like a little, not like it's a little ten minute drive. It's an hour drive back there to the zone I'm at from the visitor center. Wow. And they had. I mean, there's people dropping elk left and right. Like, guys, shoot. There's one guy that fell off the darn mountain just not a mile from where I was at, kind of different direction. Plum fell off, and they had to get him out of there with the medical stuff. Like, hurt his back no bad. No way. Was trying to drag that cow kind of down the mountain to get it to where he could skin it. And he's a big old boy. He was like 6'2", 6'3", probably with 300 pounds. That's another part of being wow. in shape. <laughs> just, you know. So what was the success rate of everybody else that was? It's an eighty-five percent success rate. Is that not any higher than that because the elk aren't there, or because people can't aren't prepared to people, hunt them, or the shape people they're in are or? not prepared to go out and find them? If you had a bunch of hard chargers go in there, is yes. it a hundred percent? Without a doubt, there's that many. There's elk that many elk. I've seen you, you that many elk. You can get it done. If you know what you're looking for, so if you don't kill an elk, yes. It's your if you fault. don't kill an elk, it is 100% your fault, without a doubt. As long as you do your homework and okay. you kind of know what you're doing, just learning from friends and what they've done, and you kind of know what to look for, you it's 100%. Like you, if we had a hundred guys go in there that knew as much as you, or not, or I, and I still don't know a whole lot, it's it'd be a 100% success rate. Well, that's good to know because, my, you know, I've dreamt of this hunt ever since I was a kid, you know, of being able to have the chance to go hunt down there and this and that. And my biggest fear is drawing that once-in-a-lifetime tag, hunting the three days that they give you and not coming home. Well, I anything. promise you. And another really cool thing, you can change where you hunt. If you hunt your first day and you don't see what you like and you're not seeing the elk you want to see – and Joe Blow over here says, hey, I've seen all these bulls, and he shoots a big bull. He goes, yeah, dude, there's a bunch of them in the area. You can go to where he was hunting. So oh, you okay. can go wherever you want on that refuge after your first day. Because a bunch of them guys have killed out, and it's, yes. a, it's thinning out, and there's a and lot say, more room. There's, I mean, that's the thing. Probably they killed 40% of their bulls out of that zone after I left. Yeah, they weren't huge really? bulls, but everybody that did not kill a bull the first or second day went there on the third day and killed a bull. So that was the hot That's zone. where they go in the wintertime. They get away from hmm. everybody. They go back far off in them rocks and mountains. Well, if I draw a bull tag this year, I'm going to have to have you send me some I've pins. got about <laughs> nine pins on the side of that mountain. Okay. Because I promise you right now there is <laughs> well, some... 
my, don't get me wrong. I'm I wouldn't change my hunt for the world. I mean, I, I know my elk may not be the biggest elk in Oklahoma, but he's a solid six by six bull with some unique character to him, and he's a good looking bull. But there are some absolute monsters in there. I'm gonna tell you right now. I love it. I can't wait to the, the day I draw a bull tag. I started putting my wife in a year or two ago. Maybe last year was the first mm-hmm. year. I can't remember. But I put her start. She, I said, hey, I'm putting them in for the draw. You want to put in? She's like, just for the elk. I'm like, well, what about antelope? And she'll just the elk. I said, okay. So my luck, she's going to draw. So I'll tell you right I now, when she draws and all that, she's probably going to draw before you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's but okay. if she does, I'm okay with that. You can bet your bottom dollar I'll be there to help y'all pack it out. You just give me a call. <laughs> All right. That's a, that works for me. And, I mean, it's just – it's uh, it's, well, it's awesome, dude. You don't understand how awesome it is to be out there. Oh, the, yes, the country's it takes beautiful. You back. The animals it takes you are back awesome. hundreds of years. I mean, you're walking in some places. There's might, I might be the first person to ever walk there in the past 200 years. It's just some yeah. of the – It's a, it's a way – uh, secluded area for yes, sure. Yes, 100%. Untouched. It's t- untouched. And one of the coolest things I seen was whenever we were going up in there and scouting and stuff, there was a herd of about 200 buffalo that were running across this prairie. And I got that on video, so I'll have to send that to you. And it was just, it huh. makes you feel like one of the Indians back in the day watching them run across there. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. They won't let you take anything to record hunts or yeah. anything, will they? If you take a camera, you're more than welcome to. Oh, really? So I could take my camera and 100%. film my own elk hunt. And here's another deal okay. I didn't See, know I was until told... about a week before. They don't really advertise it, but you can apply for permits to video your hunt. Have somebody come with you and video. I didn't know this really? until like a week before. And there's, I forget what it's got to be. You got to meet some kind of requirements. Um, but. Yes, let's see. The Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation has videoed a hunt in there before. Uh, look it okay. up, Bulls of Oklahoma, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Brandon Bates okay. and a camera guy went hunting with another guy, and they went off in there and they videoed him shooting a bull. And yeah, mm. I mean it's possible. It is very possible. There's, a, I mean, there's a small chance, but there is a chance you can go back there and have somebody film for you. But. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to. So you do need that. to definitely call them and uh, talk to the people at the refuge if you draw a tag. Okay. I bet their phones blow up the day after. Yeah, my my buddy told me that. Don't even bother calling for about the first three days. <laughs> you won't get nobody, and if you do, they'll exactly. be all pissed off, and they'll give you exactly. bad information. And I also went out there yeah. like. A, about a month or two after I drew, it's still hot in the middle of the summer, but I went and talked to some of the park rangers, you know, hey, you know, kind of, what do you see and where do you see it, you know, kind of deal. And they're all really, right. like, the park rangers are pretty helpful about what they see in the public use area. Right. But they, they can't really speak on the, the special use. Exactly. They don't, they don't go back ever go back there. And there, believe it or not, there are wild hogs back there. Right. I knew there was because they were talking about shutting down the refuge and doing helicopter hunts and stuff yep. during these certain times. And, mm-hmm. and you and are allowed to shoot. 
I've seen pigs out there. Yes, on your elk. Hunt, oh, really? Of your five bullets, you were allowed that day. You are allowed to shoot pigs. I probably would shoot pigs after I yeah. kill an elk, maybe, but no, never no, before. Without a doubt, you you couldn't beat me with a stick to shoot one before I seen my elk. <laughs> of course, yeah. you kill pigs all the Which time. Which I anyway. get a pretty good opportunity to shoot pigs where I'm at, so I don't really need to worry about chasing them in a wildlife refuge. Right. Well, man, that's so cool. I, like I said, this is a dream hunt for me, once in a lifetime for anybody that puts in after 2002 now if you drew before 2002 you could draw a second mm-hmm. tag That's, you know that so there were some guys there that this was their second tag and you wow. don't believe what they put in for yep the cow they said well last year i figured if i don't go next year i'll probably won't be able to go again so i'll put in for a cow and i'll be doing i drew it well yeah you have 82 points for a cow yeah. tag you're gonna draw Mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's something that i wanted to bring up like in my opinion if you are still able-bodied to go and and go out and do this hunt keep putting yeah in i don't the bull. I honestly don't but if you run into why they waste their time putting a draw up for a cow tag well like i was gonna say if you're getting on up and if you're old if you're you have back that old they or, will make sure you get opportunity to shoot an elk Whether you're yes. a cow or a bull tag, you mean? They will help gotcha. you. Because they... I was going to say, if you if you feel like, man, this is my last year I'm ever going to put in, yeah, go ahead yeah. and put in for that cow tag. But... If you're dead set, I'm going to burn all these points, I'm going to try for this cow tag mm-hmm. one more time, then I'll by all means. But in my opinion, if you're a young, able-bodied person, don't put in for the freaking exactly. cow tag because you're done. Mm-hmm. And that see that's one so, thing that I mean I that's just my two cents. was a really cool deal is how nice they were to everybody. They weren't rude. They were you know hey thanks for coming thanks for putting in, you know they were just all they were all about oh, really? you killing an elk. They were really helpful. They want cool. you to kill an elk. And there's awesome. I mean there was a guy there that was like eighty five years old. Yes. No way. Barely could get around, and. The rangers are like, listen, we know where some cows come through every day. They come through. They, in which, you know, they are kind of like a whitetail. They have their patterns. You can pattern them. Sure. And they know where they see elk whenever they have to go through there. They see some elk somewhere all the time. They will make sure and go cater to that guy, and they will set him up where they know there's elk. They want, they want the That's older cool. generation to kill an elk if they draw. They're not just like, all right, get out, old man. Good luck. Now, with me, I, yeah, I was 21 years old. Like- they said, we're going to make sure you're in the roughest part of this place. There is. I was like, go for it. <laughs> Put me in, coach. I was all for yeah. it. I was ready for the challenge. So you got your elk back to the house. You got it all processed up. How much elk meat do you? Here it is, April, and you kill this elk in December. How much elk meat? Do you My freezer's still like over full, dude. I've ate elk really? burgers so much. <laughs> I can cook a mean elk burger. I'm telling you that right now. So, well, you're gonna have to come I'm, over and do I'm that. I'm totally down. I will bring over some elk meat. I've actually got some really rocking flank steaks. That are, that are awesome. Heck yeah. 
It's been a while since I've since I've I'm eaten elk. Right now, so, this uh, this elk is a little bit sweeter than any elk I've ever killed. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Without a doubt, it sure. it's just that just goes back to really appreciating the hunt. You know, yeah. hey, I shot the elk. Yeah. I skinned the elk. I packed the elk off the mountain. I shot it in Oklahoma, my home state, not mm-hmm. forty-five minutes from my house. And it was, it is awesome. just probably one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Yes, Are you getting he's at the taxidermist as we speak. All right. Any progress? Well, um, he's a firefighter up there and he, up there, up north in northern Oklahoma. I'm not going to say where he's at, but uh, he went on a fire call and that person was confirmed to have the coronavirus. So he's quarantined for a little while. So that's kind of put a little hiccup in getting my elk done. Well, he needs to quarantine that's in what that I told him. shop. <laughs> that's what I told him. That's funny. Well, the taxidermist that I use over here in Anadarko, yeah. he's a school teacher. And so he's, you know, school's been out and, you know, he's still got to do online lessons and stuff, but he's got I a bet lot he's been more rocking free time. And rolling on. Is they extended spring break? Oh, he's jamming stuff out all the time, man. Because he called me up one day. He's like, hey, I'm getting ready to mount your axis. So I went over there and watched him well, mount uh, and stuff and let it do its drying thing and got it back. And I may hung have it on the wall. It looks awesome. Give so him a call. On my, deer. my muzzleloader buck, I accidentally, the my freezer went out and ruined the hide on him. So oh, I may no. have to hit him up by, by the hide and send my old muzzleloader yeah. buck over there. Yeah, give him a call, man. His name is Kenneth Bowman with Bowman's Taxidermy Studio. He does all of all the small town hunter stuff, guys, except for uh, Bo Walker, which he's uh, started doing taxidermy yep. himself. And he's 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 learning, and he's doing really well, and he's learning under Robbie Boyd with Oklahoma Taxidermy Studio. And he's he's really picking up the pace on, on his stuff really, really quick. So he, uh, he has sagebrush taxidermy. So, I mean, Oklahoma Taxidermy, Kenneth Bowman, Bo Walker. I mean, those are three taxidermists right there that I know handy that, that all, you know, are willing to get it done for you. And, and Bowman's really cool, man. He's, he's fun to jack around with. He's a, he's a state and national champion, I think, in just about every wow. species known to man. So, That's awesome. Yeah, he's good. Well, I definitely good. got to give him a call. Yeah, I've been really, really pleased with everything that I've had come out of that shop. It's bar none, floors, everything else I've got, which most of the stuff I did myself whenever I used to do taxidermy, and his stuff obviously blows mine out of the water, you know. So I got out of the business because I was too busy to really well, take care of things your, like uh, I needed to. Loud Mountain Axis, is that is that what it is, I believe? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Started a deer farm this past year. Um Got the high fence put in, and we got some babies at the house that we're raising up, and we're we're in the process of building our herd right now. And the goal is to get Loud Mountain Axis off the ground, and not only be able to offer some of the highest quality deer meat on the planet to customers around the country, but also be able to provide flat hides or access pillows That'd or purses awesome. or anything like that among. Yeah, it's cool. You'll have to come check out all the deer. Well, I know you're going to have to, and everything. you get the meat industry up and rolling, you're going to have to put me down for some. Nope. Okay. Yeah, it's access meat for anybody that's never had it, man. It, it 
tastes like beef, but it's yeah. lean like deer. So what's weird is, is axis can be tender without the marbling because they, obviously they can't marble or don't marble yeah. because they're a wild animal. So they're tender with, without the marbling. It's, it's, it's crazy to think about, but it's, it's unbelievable meat for From sure. Experience I've had eating it. It's pretty amazing. But that's, oh, I love it. Can't get enough of it. That's oh, why I'm man. out of it right now. We were set to go about a month ago. No, I guess it would have been right at the first of March. My wife and I went back down to Texas to a friend of ours ranch and went access hunting and she was looking for a big trophy buck and, all we saw were does and velvet bucks, so we're headed back again. Hopefully, if the coronavirus stuff keeps keeps everything, you know, if it hinders us, we'll wait. But if if we get cleared to go, we're gonna we're going back oh, awesome. Memorial Weekend. Oh, that's so, a great time to hunt down there. Yeah, the guys at the ranch, oh, it's unbelievable. I killed a buck down there last year around that same time. He was a uh, at the time, and he still may be. He was the largest axis oh, buck wow. taken off awesome. that ranch. Yeah, he was thirty-two and three quarters inch main beams. That's pretty so, good he's a he's a nice deer. Well, that's I was proud to get well, him. There's one thing back there, and you know, at the wildlife refuge, there's so many opportunities to get out and do stuff out there. Like, I didn't even know of the place until like seven months before I even put in for the draw. Not even kidding. Really? I hadn't even. I had no idea. That was over there. Like last year was the first time oh, yeah. I'd ever it's been a... over there, ever. Yeah, we go down there a lot. Of course, I'm a lot closer than than mm-hmm. you are to the refuge, but we go down there and camp a lot of times mm-hmm. in September, you know. And we'll go out and glass in the evening times and listen to bulls bugle. And what what a lot of people don't know, and it's really hard to get on. But yes, they do I was going to get tours. in on that, but I never and, even had the time to get off of work and go out there. It, we did it once, and they take you back there in this big mm-hmm. old freaking van back in the in the special use area. They kill the bus. Everybody gets out. Everybody, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And the bus driver will pull a bugle out, bugle. And, dude, I'm telling you, we had six bulls run wow. to the bus. After they – it was – I mean, it's in the rut. You know, late August, early September, and they're hammering that bugle, and them elk come running. Yeah, that's why they don't I let promise you, kill you right now. If it would they be ever open up an archery season for the rut, oh my goodness, it would be just insane. And which now I noticed this year when I looked at the draw hunts, they've added more hunts, and I I got to do some research and find out what they're why they're doing. But there's a wildlife refuge, you know, bull hunt, cow hunt, like what you did. Then now they're doing a walk-in hunt. Where's that? I don't at? know what that involves. At the me. at the refuge, it's a it's a third date that they're given walk in access, which I don't. Know I believe what that that'll means. be in a public use area. Now that's something Maybe. we need to look into. But they call it a, if they they're going to do the walk in, that might be able to give us another opportunity to put in if we've already killed one. I don't know. Yeah, because if out. that, that uh, if that means I can put in, I'm going to put in. <laughs> Never know. Might have. Might have me yeah. a little two-year streak going here. But wouldn't that Man. cause some burnt butts from the friends I know, named like Joe Don Baker, who's never drawn? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be mad at you. 
just be <laughs> a little bit manic, I guess, maybe. But, man, it's just – that is such a cool place, though. I mean, it's like – I don't know. It's like the closest thing to Rocky Mountains that I've ever seen. No. Oh, you've Mother. never hunted the Rockies? Oh, dude, you got to go, man. I've hunted Colorado a few times. I've hunted in Montana a couple times. And, of course, when we went to Montana, we were east of the Rocky Mountain front, so we were mm-hmm. out in the prairie lands of Montana. And, God, it's so beautiful up there, man. But hunting in Colorado, it's just in the big, tall, steep mountains of spruce trees and aspen groves. And well, I definitely – It's unreal. I'm definitely going to look into – putting in for hunts out there next year because that's definitely something i want to do you should especially mm-hmm. as young and able-bodied as you are you know it, it shouldn't be no big deal for you to get up and down them mountains and the hardest part is is getting intel from people that have been up there before where to go where to camp you know so you're in the right spot because you go up there and set up a huge camp like we always have with big freaking tents and lots of people. I say lots mm-hmm. of people. I'm talking seven or eight people. That's a big camp to mm-hmm. move if you ain't in elk. You know what I mean? You're there for the 10 or 15. Like, I think both times I went, I've hunted I've hunted on the mountain 14 days in a row, and I've come home empty-handed every time. And that's 14 days of hard, dark-to-dark hunting, all day, take a launch, wear your yeah. ass And I've out seen some mountain. videos where these guys and do it again for 14 days. I don't know how they do it. I, private land mm-hmm. or an outfitter, one of the two. I mean, there's guys that go can kill consistently, you know, big bulls on public land, but they're dialed in, man. They, they live there. You know, they're not out-of-staters usually. You know, they live there. They they know an area like the back of their hand. They scout it all year long. And they go to the back country. They get away from the roads. They go into burn areas, whatever. And, well, that's and maybe get maybe done. that's something we need might have to do. It's tricky. It's it's a tricky deal. But I've started to make some contacts to in other states. You know, New Mexico. I've got some contacts out there. And, uh, Wyoming and Montana. So, well, uh. I'm definitely gonna have to start looking into doing stuff like that because after I got after I did this, I've definitely caught the elk bug. I almost didn't even care to shoot a deer after that. I mean, once you get into oh, that, that, it's just a whole other ball game. I had How'd awesome your deer, deer season, season go this year? You know, I shot my biggest buck with a bow, which he wasn't nothing special. Just 130 inch mainframe eight point, and. uh it was it was a really cool hunt, you know. I shot him in the middle of October. That real cold spell we had in October was like twenty four degrees that one morning. I was set up. Yep. I was set up kind of on like a ridge. I don't. I'd had a camera there, and I'd been seeing some good deer come through there, and I'd never seen the steer before. And I'm sitting there freezing my hind end off, thinking I should have stayed home, stayed in my warm bed, and slept another three hours, and he comes like out of nowhere just pops up and he's standing there boom 15 yards and i'm sitting there trying to pull my bow back with the 18 layers of clothing i got on looking like the michelin man up there (laughs) and i get my bow draw back and i shot him he runs off and uh it was the day of the ou texas game actually and i shot him and 
That was a pretty awesome deal. He's the biggest deer I've ever shot with a bow, but that's like the third buck I've ever shot with a bow. And uh, muzzleloader right. season comes along, and I'm out there checking some cameras. It's pro- It was on a Saturday, like two days before muzzleloader season gets over with. Checking some cameras. I check a camera, and there's a good buck there that morning. I'm thinking, crap, I need to be here this evening. I go home, grab my orange, grab my gun, everything. I get out there and I get set down and I see, I see something kind of popping across the, uh, pasture and I almost, I almost didn't even remember to put my firing cap in your, uh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, yeah, your primer. See, I'm your primer. I was using my dad's muzzleloader. I, this is my first time ever muzzleloader hunting. I just never really gotten into it. I was like, dad, there's a good deer, but he's not. I mean, the wind's bad for this spot, and he's not going to be in a good position for me to shoot him with a bow. He's like, well, here, take my muzzleloader. I was like, okay, you know, how do I do this? And he shows me how to load it, and we shoot it a couple times at the house. He helps me load it and gives me, like, two or three primers and, you know, just kind of kicks me out and goes, here, give it a whirl. And uh, I went out there, and I got set up, and I seen him hopping across the pasture. I'm chasing a doe, and. I was like, well, crap, you know, there goes my opportunity. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll tickle the horns together and just kind of grunted at him a couple times. And he pops out about 80 yards in front of me and I shoot and smoke goes everywhere and he's not laying there dead. And I'm like, oh no, no, I just miss this big dude. And I stood up because as soon as I shot, I couldn't see nothing. So I jumped up and I couldn't see him. And I looked to my left. And there's the doe's still standing there. I'm like, what the heck, you know? And then I look to my right, and I see him just train wrecking through the trees right over there. And I run over there, and he he was a pretty nice deer. He's a 12 point. He had triple split eye guards, which is pretty neat. And uh, I think he ended up scoring nice. 150 and some change, or 145 and some change. Yeah, he's definitely the a good deer you know which my first buck with a muzzleloader so he's a toad to me but man i'll i'll never forget sitting there looking right. at him i mean he was just whenever i was sitting there he looked like you know he looked like a monster that's the way it was with that elk too man i mean you're just not prepared to see your first big bull elk in front of you no i have did not you ever score your bull i think he's what do you think? I think Where he's under think the he's 300 at? mark. I think he's either right there at it or under it. Really? Right. Yes. Which is still Oliver, a respectable that's, bull. That's a good bull. For. Yeah. Well, man, I'm I'm so glad you got an opportunity to go down there and check it out. I kind of wish yeah. you had to earn it a little you, more. Hey, I'm not you and me both. I, <laughs> I honestly, there's days I'm like, man, I should have hunted a couple more days. But then there's other times where I'm like. Nah, yeah, you earned I mean, it, man. I wouldn't have traded it for the world, to be honest with you. He's he's an awesome bull, and I loved every minute of it, and I'm grateful for every opportunity God's gave me to get to get there. Because, you know, there's a lot of people That's that awesome. have never drawn it, well, and some of them never will. That's right. So if you had one piece of advice to give to somebody that draws this tag, what would it be? Get in shape. And know... Well, I say get in shape. Know what you're looking for. 
as far as far as, far as, the, as the terrain or the elk. Don't go in there and shoot a five gotcha. by five dink. Not saying he's a dink. You know, people are they don't care about the size of the antlers. They just want the meat. But if you're any kind of trophy hunter, you want. I mean, I'm not saying I'm some big trophy hunter, but I want to kill something that's respectable. But no, I know just, what you mean. You know, yeah. know what you're looking for. Don't just go off in there thinking I'm going to shoot the first thing that walks out in front of me. Because that, then you'll, I promise you, you'll regret it if you shoot the first thing that walks out. Because I passed up, I seriously passed up yeah. probably seven you... or eight different bulls that walked probably 50, 60 really? yards from, from me, really. I mean, I passed up a lot of bulls. Wow. I mean, they were just everywhere. I passed up wow. two bulls. That were probably bigger than my bull. Yes. I kind of really? got the big eye looking at him from a mile away. And now that I go back and think about mm. it, those, there's two bulls that were same size, if not a little bit bigger. But there's, Wow. Closer yeah, to the about, road, too, but half, About a mile closer to the road. Mm, that, yeah. that might be but a pretty good option. Right now, if... <laughs> Whoever goes, I mean, just anybody that's listening, if y'all go in and y'all draw, be patient. Take your time. Don't get in a huge rush. Because I took my time. I was thinking right. I need to run and get to the top of this peak on this glass and knob or this outcropping, and I need to be looking as soon as daylight gets there. No, them elk are going to be on the sunny side of that mountain chilling. They ain't going nowhere for a hot minute. Okay. So don't don't beat yourself yes, up if you don't, don't get to the top do not, by daylight. Because I didn't get to my spot until probably exactly. Because you may bump elk on your way two through. Cows you going up to where I was wanting to glass, and I thought I was going to die. Seriously, scared me. Scariest moment I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm They're hooking close, it huh? straight up. You know, I'm. I thought I was just going to run straight up this big knob, this big hill, and just pop over the top of the ridge and get to my rock spot that I found on Onyx. I'm going to tell you right now, that terrain is totally different than Onyx gives. That or it's just way harder in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, satellite photos can be deceiving, deceiving too. Without yeah. a doubt in my mind. It was yeah. it was some pretty rough terrain, even on, the, even on the flat land getting across there. There's some big rocks you can trip over out there. Yes, and the buffalo. Yeah, you got to watch especially. the buffalo. They say, you know, they're more scared of you than you are of them. Mm, no, because I, I was whenever I was looking for my bull, I jumped one buffalo up out of his bed, and he jumped up, turned around, kind of looked at me and snorted, and I said, "Dude, I got a three hundred ultra mag that says you ain't gonna do nothing." And which they don't want you to shoot other animals unless it's absolute have to deal. Because I promise you right now, this little scared redneck up there was definitely not going to get ran over by a buffalo. That going down without a fight. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. It's just, you know, whenever I was going up that mountain and them two cows, I popped around the edge of this little rock and they were bedded down about 10 feet from where I popped out around this rock and they jumped up and flew out of there and here I am a little scared redneck kid almost scared of the dark with a little five dollar headlamp on and uh, <laughs> I jumped about eight foot in the air it felt like 
my adrenaline got to go on and that kind of gave me the rest of the motivation hey let's go ahead and get on up the mountain and get out of here and i made pretty good time getting up where mm-hmm. i wanted to be yeah i bet well hunter thanks so much man for sharing your story and, and giving some tips and tactics of what what can happen and what you know everybody's Without situation is going to be different but if you just go in there as prepared mentally and physically as you can be, shoot off, and, uh, take good optics with you, and you know that kind of stuff. You know it just shows that anybody, not just anybody, yes, but if it's you a one hundred percent be successful, doable hunt. If you get drawn and you put in your time, you're going to have success. And which that just is just like anything else right. that you do. If you put in the time and the effort, you're going to have success. Cool. Well, hey, uh, tell us about you know where people can find your well, HD you can find me on or find you. Yeah. On well, you can go the to web uh, or social media. Instagram. Or it's like High that. Definition Outdoors, and uh, you can just look us up on there. And then we got the Facebook page. That's we go by HD Outdoors on the Facebook page, and it's ran by me and one of my good friends, Austin. And uh, he's you know we're just. Two old boy, two two country kids just liking to have fun, enjoying what God created, man. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. If you guys are, are cruising social media, check the, check them out. HD Outdoors, High Definition Outdoors on Instagram. They're they're definitely putting out some good stuff, and I can't wait to see what you guys do in the future, man. It's it's awesome talking to you, and uh, look forward to Heck yeah, man, all the I adventures in the future. Shoot. We love watching the. Small town hunter, man. I mean, we just love following y'all on Instagram and Facebook and seeing what y'all do. And I listen, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts. They're pretty, really interesting. I'd suggest if you're listening to this for the first time or this is the first one you've heard of the Small Town Hunter podcast, go and listen to the ones in the past. They've got some really, really good podcast segments and you can learn a lot from it. Well, I appreciate it, man. That means a lot. You know, we're trying. You know, we're trying to expand our horizons and, and I'm I'm really got some good guests down the pipeline lined up. Um, you know, guys with, with you know higher credentials than anybody else that I can think of in the hunting industry. Yeah. You know, as far as the filming world goes, we're gonna try to get some of them guys on. We're gonna try That'll to get some awesome. officials from the wildlife department on and and anybody else that is listening to this, find reach out to us on our social media stuff or or email us or whatever. And if you've got an interesting story like Hunter's where you have you drew a once in a lifetime tag and you want to come on and talk about it, hit us up, man. We'd love to have anybody on, you know, that has an interesting story and, and is a good person. Without we want a doubt. To talk to it's been a great time, sure. Joe. And I, I I thank you for inviting me on here and listening to what I had to say. Well, I appreciate it again. And, uh, As always, thanks again for listening to the Small Town Hunter podcast. We appreciate all the followers and listeners. You can check out what we got going on on our Facebook page, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Everything you can find us at Small Town Hunter TV. Uh, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate all the positive feedback, and this podcast is uh, it's been a lot of fun to do, and uh, we're going to keep trying to bring it to you. So thank you to all the supporters out there. Don't forget to go to our website, smalltownhuntertv.com. 
get all your small town hunter swag, uh, things like that, you'll be looking sharp on your next hunting adventure. Thank you.